You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights which help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up to date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. I'm your host, Mithul Shah. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stacks with technographic intent and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up podcast. I'm your host, Mithul Shah. Today, I'm super excited to talk to William Lum about his proven framework for optimized marketing. William has spent 15 years architecting solutions for marketers, most recently as a director of marketing operations at Palo Alto Network. He and his team retooled the marketing team with new technologies that enable automated predictive content delivery and a detailed understanding of funnel health and higher quality of lead flow. William has been a featured speaker at a number of Adobe summits, sharing his thoughts and experience in marketing technology, and has won a number of MarTech-related awards, most recently 2019 Market or Vivi Awards for Marketing Teams of the Year. I'm excited to talk about everything you have done over your fascinating career, William, and we'd love to get the insights from it. Welcome to the show. Good to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'd love to talk about marketing. Fantastic. Well, I guess let's just uh, start. To, you know, I remember in the pre-recording, you know, when we were having this conversation, and I was quite fascinated by this whole concept of framework for optimized marketing. So maybe we can start there for our audience. What is framework for optimized marketing, and why do companies need it? Sure. So it's. Um, I mean. It's really a way to better understand the different processes and technologies that we we have in marketing. And marketing's grown so much over the years. I mean, it's in the old days it was mainly about advertising, but and then it was about brand. But it's grown so much that we're touching so many different parts of the business. We we manage the goodwill of the brand. We build demand by telling the company's story across you know, all kinds of media channels. We use our content both in pre-sales as well as during sales with the sales team and on um, in onboarding processes. And we do analysis of our products and our, our visibility to the customers. And these things are used in internal competitive reviews and in our planning processes. This has gotten so big that it's not possible to, to manage in someone's mind, at least not with all the different teams understanding what's going on. So we need some way of grouping things together and having an organized way to look at all the different processes and technologies that we have. And most of these touch points that, that, that man, uh, marketing manages, they're all publicly facing. So we have to be super careful about and very deliberate about what we do and how we change things because if we make a mistake, it's going to be very, very public. So this is why we need a framework. <clears throat> the framework helps us clearly talk about you know what are we doing what, pro- what are these processes doing how do they work what are the what are the data inputs what are the outputs um, and then what do we want to improve on them you know what, what are the things that need to be improved to tackle a business problem and by grouping and organizing all of these into a framework they become very logical chunks that are very easy to talk about so once we've got them organized it, we can actually step back and actually helps us better understand how these things work and it helps us plan the future evolutions of them and design new solutions based on the problems that the business is seeing. And then 
excuse me, and then it has direct business impact because the clearer we understand how each of the processes that are in the framework work, uh, interact with the different processes in our in our business, the better we can make updates and evolutions to them to address the business need. Got it. Got it. I I, I couldn't agree more. Right, with more than eight thousand martech companies and technologies and the ever evolving. And it seems uh, to be growing exponentially. It's crazy. I know. It's it's amazing, right? Like a couple of years ago, you know, there were lack of martech tools and now there are you know like tons of martech tools and um i i couldn't agree more that why there's a need for this framework to optimize marketing to kind of because technology at the end of the day it's a means to an end mm-hmm. right it's just mm-hmm. enabling something but having an optimized framework for marketing that's that's quite fascinating so what's what's the framework well, what's the process you know how do you go about implementing this framework in a, in a process so I think the the rollout plan will be different for everyone, but the starting step should be the same for everyone. So one of the most important lessons I learned while I was doing consulting type work um, in my previous life, documenting the current process into the framework is the best place to start because that will give you an understanding of what you have. And it's funny because there's always the side benefit whenever I stepped into to talk to customers where we would have them tell us what they think they had in place. And because we pull together different teams, so we pull together marketing, we pull together sales, we pull together IT in there, and then have them describe what they think they have, they each had a different view of it. So the the great side uh, benefit is to pull everyone on the same page to understand what you have. Um, And then as you're documenting what you have, you can also put in, well, here are the enhancements that we need. So while we might be focused in this discussion about marketing technology and the processes around it, and you know, marketing operations can be driving this conversation. We need to bring in sales operations. We need to bring in IT to talk about the adjacent processes that, that touch and feed in or take data from the marketing technology. So in, in the framework that we document, the, we'll have the current process flow and we'll have the enhancements for each of the categories. And it's okay if, as we go through this, if you don't have all the pieces, because not everyone will. You should think about, over time, evolving your own uh, tech stack to include all of the pieces in this framework. But this is just an overview. There's definitely lots to talk about in each of these sections. And you know, let's, let's just start with the overview. So this is my framework. The first step, or the first piece, is pattern finding in the data. This is the thing that... that we need to start off with because we want to be more effective in our campaign. And we do this by having a better understanding of who to target and which communications to use. So the first step is to segment the universe of companies that we have into tiers, using data science to model the ones that are best fit for, uh, best fit for a product based on past data of, of deals that we had go through our, our sales process. So you could model it either companies that have won, uh, which will give you a much smaller set, or you might actually want to model it the way that I'd suggest, which is model it based on companies that got very deep into the sales process. Because sometimes the reason you didn't win isn't because you couldn't have won. It's just that there were personality conflicts or there were relationships or other things that were happening behind the scenes 
that you know, it, it was just the wrong person there. And if it was a different person in charge, you would have won the deal. You don't want to eliminate those people because, or those companies because those ones are actually good fits. So that's why I suggest finding ones that are deep into the, into the sales process include those as well. So that'll help tier the list of companies that you have in the universe into tiers. Then we want to figure out, well, who is part of a buying team? Because you know, it's, it's not in, typically for a B2B sale, it's not an individual that's making a purchase. There's usually a team. Um, there's at least a person that owns the budget, another person that has influence on the criteria, another maybe another person that drives the process. Um, so there's, there's a team that's involved. So we can predict the buying team, but again, by looking at the past deal data. And in there, we can find the roles and the titles of people that are typically involved in these deals. And these buying teams should be uh, corrected as, you know, after we make the marketing predictions. As the sales team actually works the deals, they should be correcting the data. That way, it improves our modeling going forward. And then finally, we want to find the pattern of content. You know, which people are consuming what kinds of content? So we do lookalike modeling there to... You know, against the different roles that we've collected in the buying teams to see, well, who, you know, which ones of these roles like to consume which pieces of content. So once we have those three pieces, the company segments, the buying teams identified, and the content by role, then we can go into the next piece. The next piece, well, piece two, is the data, injecting data into campaigning. So why do we use this? We want to use data to optimize where and how we use marketing resources, so both budget and people, and to make the communications more effective. So, so on the segmenting, you know, in the previous exercise, we, we, it gave us a tiers of companies. So that gives us a way to focus our attention. We can't boil the ocean. We have limited marketing budgets. Let's figure out which company we want to focus on the most. And for some, you know, for a tactic like ABM, account-based marketing, that is a very resource-intensive type of campaigning. You can't do that across lots of companies. So you take that first tier or that highest tier and apply it to them. So the, the segmentation can help you define which types of campaigns based on you know, resource cost to you, which companies are eligible for those types of campaigns. Not everyone will be. You, know, you won't use your most expensive campaigns on tiny SMBs if that's not your main business because that's not going to be effective. Then, then on targeting. So now, you know, using the segmentation, we know the companies that we want to focus on. Then we've identified the buying teams from that previous exercise. Now we can build these focus lists. You know, maybe these are built each quarter. And these are the lists of companies and people that we want to focus our marketing attention on. Definitely need to coordinate these with sales because sales will have their focus list as well. These two can't be different lists because marketing is generating leads for sales. So we got to make sure that the sales efforts, their lists are incorporated into marketing's larger list. So, and then that last piece that we did in that previous exercise with the data science, finding the, the right content matches, that can help us figure out what is the next best content. So we can build our automated systems to figure out, okay, well, now we know the company that we're focused on, and we also know the buying teams that we're focused on and the people in them, which content should we be feeding them next? And that's, that's where those matches of best content will help us figure out what to automatically push to them. And then, you know, last bonus piece with all of the, all of the data that we have flowing through our different systems is we can do more 
true one-to-one marketing by injecting some of the data that we know about the person and their company uh, into the actual content material. You probably need to treat this with some discretion because you know, some some industri- industrial cultures or some company cultures will, will have difficulty with this and find it jarring. It's like, how do you know this about me? Why are you, how did you find this out? Um, so depending on the type of audience that you're talking to, you may or may not be able to call these things out directly, or you, you may have to be more, um, more suggestive about it. So now this could be something like, oh, we've noticed that um, you've shown a lot of interest in X topic. We suggest you read these five other articles. Uh, or it could be something like um, a number of your colleagues at your company have been researching this same topic. Let's. I suggest you bring your entire team to this event. You know, that you know, depending on the, the the industry, that may be okay. I think in tech, most most times people assume that they're being tracked, and that kind of conversation is okay. But in government, that probably won't be okay. So yeah. some discretion will be needed there. That's a, that's very interesting. So if if I were to summarize it, you know, these are like first look at your look at your deals that is advanced in the pipe, right? I would probably, can can I call it SQL? Maybe the deals that are sitting as an SQL or as an opportunity, right? Um, look at the, do essentially kind of lookalike modeling on that to figure out which accounts, you know, should you be going after, which are the new accounts. Um, and based on that, figure out what kind of buying team that you need to go after based on, you know, your previous deals and who are buying from you and who are part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, from that, figure out the the content this team, you know, has consumed in the past. So different personas and what content they have consumed. And then based on that, you know, figure out what kind of content you should be sending for these different buying, you know, buying team that you have. Um Load up this data in your whatever your marketing automation, the systems that 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 you have, um, you know, for that, and then measure on a quarterly basis as to what's working, what's not working. Pivot based on it, and this might also allow an opportunity to do one on one with some of these um, either decision makers or high level. Uh, you know, executives based on the kind of content they're consuming, and you can have maybe a separate. A conversation which is more like one-on-one, uh, based on the content that they like and then they consume. Did I did I summarize this? Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that actually touches nicely into into the, sort of the next group because you know the, the, all of those steps lead up to well, well we can do this manually, yeah. uh, which is very human intensive, <laughs> or we can find ways to automate it, which you touched on. You know, using an automated uh, marketing solution can take all the data and the rules that you set up and now do it automatically for you. And the reason we want to do this is one, we want to be able to scale this up. You know, if it's humans doing it, there's only so many campaigns you can run and right. only so much you know, segmentation you can do because it takes so much effort. But if you do it with the machine, then you free up the humans to do higher level thinking, free up the marketers to think of new content, free up the marketers to think of new sequencing, free up the marketers to think of new tests and new content tests. So, so that's definitely definitely what uh, what uh, would make sense here. Very interesting. And and how do you measure the effectiveness in this process? Right? I mean, like you know, I think attribution has been thrown around, um, you know, in in marketing. And how do you measure this? And what's working? What's not working? How do you measure the effectiveness uh, as to which pieces are working, which pieces are not working? And is this like a 
is this something that anybody can get started today or this is like a like an SEO kind of process right that takes six months before you see the results um so maybe if I can come back to the measurement piece because um, I think there's a couple other pieces that I wanted to touch on a little bit and then they tie back into how we do measurement so so you know while we have the automation systems starting to push out all of these communications, we need to coordinate those because if we don't, that really reduces the effectiveness of the conversation. I don't know if you've ever had this experience where where you go to um, a company and you you start consuming certain pieces of content and you sign up for a newsletter and the newsletter gives you something in completely unrelated content and you think, okay, well, I'm talking to IBM and I've been consuming this other stuff. Why the heck are they sending me stuff about a completely unrelated product? So coordinating all of these different touch points, I think, is a real powerful thing that, that we're starting to see companies try to do. Um, I don't think anyone's got it perfect yet, but this is kind of that new frontier. It's now, you know, every, you know, automation was pretty new previously, and now most everyone has automation. Now we have to coordinate all of the messaging that we have on across all of our touch points. And then, and then you know, the next couple of steps really start touching into sales process and it's less focused on marketing. But marketing still has a piece to help there. You know, we can help do the modeling to prioritize what sales falls up. So we do our uh, predictive lead scoring to figure out which are the leads we want to hand over to sales. And then of those leads, they'll, they'll tell us which ones were good and bad. And then that feedback comes back to us to help us figure out, well, let's tune the model you know, like you said, look at this quarterly, tune the model, and figure out which how to make the changes so that we score these other ones that they said were really good higher than these other ones that they said weren't. And then over time, that gets better and better and better. Of course, you know, new product lines come in, and that may require new scoring models. Uh, business atmosphere might change, and that, again, may need new scoring models. So it's always good to constantly be checking this on a quarterly basis. So... So one of the pieces that is key to everything that we do is collecting data. Um, you know, collecting the data and understanding what's happening in each piece of, of this framework helps us better understand the interactions. And if I move the lever here, this is the output that will happen. And when we get that really tuned well, then we can really understand what to, you know, what to change so that we can meet a changing business environment. So that if sales says, oh, we need, uh, we need more new, um, new deals being created in the pipeline. You know, we've, we're doing really great on our deal conversion, but we need more new deals. Can you tell us which, which campaigns help push that? And then we can go back you know, in the attribution that you alluded to to figure out, well, which deals actually generated more new campaign creation versus something like um, sorry, not new campaign creation, new deal creation versus deal conversion. So conversion meaning, you know, they were already in there and these messages helped them finally close. So, so you know, that's a different action than getting them to start to have start having the conversation with sales team. So attribution is is going to be key, but it relies on on data. So going going to your question, I apologize for the long run around. Going to your question about how do we how do we measure this to see if it's working? Um, and you know, it's the first thing we need to do is is to define. There's there's really two types of uh, two types of reporting that we look at. 
for it that I, I consider looking at. One is forward-looking reporting. So these are the things that I look at to see, okay, in this quarter, am I moving in the right direction? And then the second type of reporting is um, um, is backward-looking reporting that actually confirms if things worked out or not. So, so one is to help monitor and make changes to the business in quarter. The other one is to sort of reflect back and look at how, how has the quarter done. So the types of measurements that I suggest taking for monitoring your quarter is, you know, operationally, you'll want to measure a number of deals that marketing sends to sales. You want to measure uh, the spend that we have and the number of contacts that we've touched to, to actually generate the marketing demand that we've had, because this will tell you how efficient you are. It's, you know, it's one thing to generate a thousand, let's say, a thousand uh, people attending an event, but if it took you one million touches to get there, that's not very good. Mm. If it only took you 2,000 or 3,000, that's okay. But, you know, a million touches would be terrible. So that'll help you understand if you're burning through your database or not, or if you're doing damage to your database, or if you're being very inefficient. Um, some other leading indicators uh you know, these help you see if you're pushing enough volume to sales. Um, you know, depending on on how you're structured, you know, there might be a commitment from marketing to cover 30% of sales time with the leads that we send over. So you'll have to watch how many you know, MQLs you're sending over, or how many um, uh, account qualified leads you might be sending over for them to work. Very interesting. So essentially, forward and backward looking reporting. And understanding the stats from it too, of course, you know, to see that what's working, what's not working, double down on what's working and hopefully deprecate what's not. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the campaign attribution comes in. That helps you because it lines up of the companies that we've closed or got very deep into the funnel and the buying groups that were part of those companies. What did they consume? Let's take a look at what that pattern is. And then that tells us which which campaigns worked to contribute to marketing's effort to help uh, generate uh, deals for for sales to follow up with. And then you should see a pattern. You should see a pattern of which campaigns are doing this. And then you could do more of those, like you said. You know, figure out what's working. Do more of those types of campaigns. Very interesting. So one thing we like to do, you know, in our show for our viewers is that what are some of the actionable thing, right? So after listening to this podcast. If somebody's thinking about like, okay, this is this is fantastic. I want to implement it. You know, is there what, what's your what's your suggestion if something somebody's thinking about implementing this framework? What they can do today to get started on it? Um, so you know, like I said, start with um, start with figuring what you have in place now and bring in the owners of those adjacent systems to talk about you know what they're what they're doing uh, and how it touches the marketing processes. So if I were to summarize the high-level categories, um, the first one would be finding patterns in data. So all of the processes and systems that find patterns. So these are patterns for, for company tiering. These are patterns for buying teams. These are patterns for content consumption. Then what the, the next uh, group is the uh, data and campaigning. Um, so this is the, well, where... Where and how do we decide to implement segments for companies? Where and how do we actually put people into the buying groups? And how do we match them up to content? And this is often in the marketing automation platform, but sometimes touches a, a, uh, a customer data uh, platform. 
Um, sometimes it's a combination of that with a um, with a content delivery platform. Um, so it could be combinations of that. Then the third one is, you know, where are our automation systems? You, know, you have automation for for email, you have automation for social, you have automation for display, you know, and lots of you know, content syndication or advocacy programs. Where are the different pieces that we have? And then finally, how are we coordinating the touch points? What systems and processes do we have to do that? Um, and then prioritizing uh, human follow-up. And then six is Intel for sales. And finally, seven is the user and uh, data collection processes. That's fantastic. You know, I, 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 it's very hard to kind of condense this this intelligence, this topic, you know, in, in a short amount of podcast. But uh, maybe we'll, we'll double click on this, you know, in a future subsequent podcast to kind of get additional insights on it. But that's the time that we have uh, today, William, for a podcast. Thank you so much for being part of it. I really enjoyed having you on the show. I'm I'm sure that our listeners are going to get a lot of insights out of this. And then if they do want to, you know, connect with you, is there a good platform they can connect with you? Yeah, um, I don't, uh, we can. They can either send me email, uh, marketingoptimized at uh, gmail dot com, uh, or they could go to. Um, a link to my website that's currently being revamped. So the content's a little bit old there. Um, I can include that uh, maybe in the description uh, for this podcast. Um, those are probably the two best ways to get a hold of me. Okay, awesome. We look forward to having you in, in future podcasts. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.